Good evening. I'm Pastor Rick of Restoration Anglican in Minneapolis, and thank you so much for participating with us this evening for this Good Friday service. So this is the evening in which we join with Christians all around the world and throughout time as we commemorate and consider the cross of Christ. This is the night in which 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ defeated darkness, the devil, and sin itself there at the cross. And for some of you, this might be the first time in which you have uh, participated in a Good Friday service. And so thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. So like I said, tonight I want us to join with other Christians in considering the cross of Christ. And in particular tonight, I want us to think about just two words as it pertains to the cross. And in some ways, these two words that I'm about to share with us are incredibly basic. They're very simple. Children understand these words. They know what these words mean. Uh, these aren't complex words. Um, they're not difficult grammatically speaking or anything like that. But in some ways, these words are also deeply profound. If we were all to be quarantined, not just for a couple months or so, but for a thousand years, and if we were to be charged with no other task other than to understand and contemplate these words, we would never be able to plumb the depths of them. We would never be able to understand the meaning and the beauty and the value and the significance of these two words. Now, what, did it, what is it that I'm talking about? Well, what I want us to consider tonight is the fact that God suffers. That God suffers. So simple and yet so profound, right? Now, Holy Week 2020, this is probably one of those rare occasions in which we have a specific charge to think about the fact that God suffers, isn't it? Now, what exactly do I mean when I say that God suffers? Well, there's multiple facets to this that I would like for us to explore tonight. So first of all, God suffers physically. So for Jesus, uh, his crucifixion, it wasn't just a, a one hour long thing. No, this was a, an entire day. It was an entire process. This was an entire um, yeah, day filled with torture and suffering for Jesus. So first of all, there was a mock trial that happened, that transpired. And during this trial, Jesus was beaten. He was bruised by guards. The guards took uh, uh, branches, these thorny branches, and turned them into a crown, uh, a crown and, and sort of stuck this onto Jesus's head. Also, he was flogged uh, during his crucifixion. The guards had constructed, or it took this um, this thing that they called the cat of nine tails, which was a whip with bits of broken glass and metal on the tips of it, and they had struck Jesus and pulled that back and just kept whipping Jesus with that. Jesus was covered with open wounds, as you could imagine. His muscles were all bruised. He was extremely exhausted from a day of all of these beatings and torture. And then after it, he was forced to carry this mass, the massive beams of the cross all the way from Pilate's headquarters out to the city, um, out to the city gates to a place called Golgotha. And there he was stretched out upon the cross. Nails were placed in his hand, driven through his hands, and he was nailed to the cross. And then he's lifted high for the entire city to see and to look at him. And there he hangs for hours, aching suffocating, grasping for breath, and absolutely thirsty. So friends, God knows what it is like to suffer physically. So what about you? Are you suffering physically right now? Now, obviously no one is, uh, I don't think, <laughs> being crucified right now. But that's not to say that some of you aren't in profound seasons of excruciating 
and inescapable pain right now. Some, even from our own congregation, are recovering from chemotherapy or other forms of uh, cancer surgery. And you have that feeling as if the life has just been sucked out of you. And even your own consciousness is sort of drifting from daytime and nighttime and maybe not even able to perceive the difference between the two. And as you're thinking about these things, you're sort of grasping for consciousness itself. You're trying to remember what is, what is it even like to be fully awake? And for some of you, you're being plagued by just physical, um, just pain that's been with you and, and, and you haven't been able to escape that either. Um, aches in your body, um, headaches that don't go away. For some of you, you are physically exhausted from the constant sacrifice that you have been making of your time, of your resources, of your energy, for the, for the care of others. You know, we have a lot of medical workers in our church right now, or a handful of medical workers at our church. And for you, the last month has been just a constant pouring out of yourself uh, for others. You wake up incredibly early. You work long hours and then you climb back home at night and you just crawl into bed and absolutely collapse. And you just wonder, how long is this going to be happening? And this is taking a toll on your body and it hurts. Well, friends, God is not aloof. God is not distant. He's not ignorant of what you are going through. In fact, he knows it himself. He has been there. He knows what it is like to suffer physically. God suffers with you. Well, secondly, in addition to suffering physically, God also suffers institutionally. He knows what it's like to be let down by the rulers and the powers, um, by the governments, by people who are supposed to protect him. You know, there's plenty of corrupt systems in Jesus's day, just as, as we experience them in our own day. His own people, the Jews, he, they, they capture him, they take him. And these are the people who he was sent to teach, to love, to heal. Well, they take him and they, they capture him and they put him on trial. And they make up these phony charges that are brought up against him. And they bring out these false witnesses uh, against him and they plot his destruction. Well, then Jesus is brought to the Roman authorities, right? And these are the ones who are, you know, if, if anyone's supposed to be, um, you know, you, you would expect some these authorities to seek out the truth, to look for what's going on here, to perhaps even try to see if there's any way that they could um, protect him. But the Roman ruler, Pilate, of course, he doesn't do this. He caves to the mob. He doesn't defend Jesus. He doesn't look after him, but rather he hands him over so that the Jews can do with him as they want. Well, these institutions, these authorities were no friends of Jesus. Well, furthermore, when Jesus was crucified, it was in no secret place. His shame was put on full display for all to see. He was crucified right outside of the city gates. This is a place not outside of the city in a sort of remote sort of sense. No, right at the city gates, this is where people are constantly coming in and out of the city. You know, imagine being beaten and then stretched out over a billboard that overlooks Highway 35W uh, or something like that for all the city to see. You see, Jesus suffered shamefully at the hands of the rulers, uh, at the hands of failed institutions. So again, I ask, what about you? Are you disappointed? Are you humiliated? Are you ashamed? You know, I, I understand that it's it's so um, frustrating to be turning on the news and seeing our politicians just arguing back and forth about how to navigate our world right now, how to solve this global pandemic. But for some of you, this is a personal offense. 
For some of you, you are now in a situation that is the result of a breakdown of leadership. It's a breakdown of, of policies or a breakdown of the economy itself. You know, for some of you, you've spent several years building up your own personal business and and building a brand that's respectable, that's something that, that people want to go to you for, for advice or for work. Um, you've been spending years building up trust with clients. And now it seems as if everything is just evaporating before you. All of that hard work just sort of disappearing in the air. You know, for some of you, maybe you, you haven't lost your job. Maybe you still have your job. But you're still being let down by that institution because, oh my goodness, have things changed so much. You know, there's a, a member in our church who... Uh, her company is a large company in town. You would know uh, what this company is. And they just laid off about 40% uh, of their employees. Now, this member of our church, she was spared from this. And it's it's just a, a mixed sort of yucky feeling that comes from that. Yes, of course, she's she's relieved that she still has a job. But a lot of her friends, a lot of her coworkers have been let go. And so she was asking, like, what in the world is going on right now? You know, what, what about my coworkers, my former coworkers who were the single income uh, folks in their household? You know, what in the world are they going to be doing? You know, so there is this institutional suffering that is going on, even just within the members of our own congregation right now. Well, again, friends, God knows your disappointment. He knows your suffering and your pain. God suffers with you. So thirdly, God also suffers relationally. You know, as the days got closer and closer to the time in which Jesus was handed over to the rulers and the authorities, he's continually hurt over and over by his friends. You know, when he was praying in the gardens, he knew these things were about to happen, and he was praying to the Father for comfort and looking to his friends to also come around him and pray with him. What happens? Well, they doze off to sleep. They can't even stay awake with him. And also one of his disciples, or one of his own disciples, one of the 12, Judas, betrays Jesus just for a pile of coins. He goes and he tells the religious leaders, I know where to find Jesus. I know where you can capture him. This isn't, this, it wasn't perceived to be an enemy of God. Um, Judas was someone who they all trusted, who they all, um, who sat under Jesus for a long time. And yet here he is betraying Christ. Well, then even uh, another one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, denies him. When others come to Peter and say, don't you know this guy? He completely denies it. He says, I don't want to even associate with Jesus, Peter yells out. And then even when hanging on the cross, strangers of Jesus, other or criminals themselves deride him and mock him. So it doesn't matter if it's Jesus' closest friends to even criminals on the cross. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed to be, to be abandoned, and to be mocked by others. So again, I ask, what about you? Do you know what it's like to be ignored right now? Do you know what it's like to be betrayed right now? Have you been mocked right now? Do you know what it's like to be abandoned? Because again, I tell you, friends, God suffers. You are not alone. He knows what it's like to be in those shoes. And I think of all these three ways of suffering that I just mentioned, the physical suffering, the institutional suffering, and now the relational suffering, I think that this is the one that probably hurts us the most. Wouldn't you agree? Because it's those friends, it's the ones who we've trusted, the ones who we love. When they turn their backs on us, there's just something deep within us that hurts far more than bodily pain. 
And I think it's because there's a lie that comes, that's spoken to us when we experience this relational suffering. And the lie is this. The lie is you are alone. The lie is you are unlovable. You're not worth these relationships is the lie that we hear when we're betrayed by friends. Well, friends, the cross tells us the exact opposite. Praise be to God. The cross tells us that Jesus knows your pain. The cross tells us that he sees you, that he loves you, and that he wants to be with you. That's what the cross of Christ teaches us. You see, friends, God is a friend to the lonely and to the brokenhearted. Not in some sort of abstract, theoretical, philosophical sort of way. No, but he, he is a friend to the, uh, to the brokenhearted in a real, historical, I've been there sort of way. He knows exactly what it's like to be one of us. So God has clothed himself in human flesh. He became one of us. And not only that, he allowed himself to suffer in profound and deep ways. In Christ, God suffers physically, institutionally, and also relationally. Now, we could leave it there tonight. We could just contemplate that tonight. And that alone, friends, is quite comforting. That alone should be an encouragement to both you and to me. But that's not all. You see, the good news of Good Friday is that something magnificent was accomplished that night 2,000 years ago. You see, Jesus wasn't just suffering in order to empathize with us. No, there was a spiritual war that was taking place. Death and suffering and sin itself was being conquered by Jesus Christ upon the cross 2,000 years ago. This is when death itself was defeated and put to shame. All of the suffering of the world was placed upon Jesus Christ. And not just the suffering that we've been discussing, not just the suffering that we ourselves have been receiving, no, but the ways in which we have been hurting others, that also was put onto the cross of Christ. The ways in which we have physically hurt others or emotionally hurt others or psychologically hurt other people around us, the ways in which we ourselves have contributed to systems of dysfunction uh, and, and, and hurt and oppression, the ways in which we have betrayed others, the ways in which we have caused our, uh, those who we love the most uh, deep pain, all of that was put onto, onto Christ. He takes all of it upon himself and puts it to death on the cross. That's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about, that reading that we just um, heard from a few moments ago. Through the death of Jesus, God no longer remembers our sins or our lawless deeds anymore. In fact, through this, Jesus has opened up for us the way to God. Thanks be to God. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to do something. There's going to be a moment in our service um, for you to have um, just a, some special moments with God. So I'm going to invite you to find a cross in your home if you haven't yet. Find a cross in your home. I'll show you ours. So this is the one that we will be using. So I'm going to invite you to find a cross in your home. And if you don't have one, um, I don't know, find a piece of paper and, and, and just in some markers and, and make the sign of a cross on a piece of paper. And I'm going to invite you to hold that cross in your hands tightly and ask God to meet you there as you consider the cross. And I'm going to ask you to, to, to ask the Lord or to tell the Lord thank you. 
to thank him for the cross, to thank him for humbling himself and coming down to earth and taking all of our sin and suffering and death and pain and sorrow and taking that upon himself on the cross. And I don't know, maybe this is also going to be a moment of confession for you. Maybe this last month of social isolation, the social distancing, um, uh, many of you are under stay-at-home orders, um, and maybe in these moments, a lot of inner struggles and inner sins and addictions and bad habits have maybe bubbled up to the surface again. So I'm going to ask you in this moment, you know, as you're holding the cross, as you're praying to Jesus, confess those things to him. Um, place those sins, place those struggles, place these things at the foot of the cross. Now, you don't have to do this, but I also do wonder if maybe for some of you, it would be beneficial to hear the forgiveness of sin pronounced over you. Now, if you scroll down to the bottom of the website, you're going to see that there's a moment in which you can pick a time to meet with me. And I would love to do that. I would love, as a priest in Christ's holy church, I would love to have the opportunity to speak words of absolution over you. So again, you don't have to do that. Maybe that's just strange or out there. But if you think that would be beneficial to you, I encourage you to sign up. Um, and tomorrow, I would love to to hear from you. And we can, um, and I could, would love to pronounce the forgiveness of sins to you. And then, lastly, as we've been talking about suffering this evening, I know that there are many of you who are experiencing suffering in a very deep, personal, and profound way. So, as you clutch the cross tonight. May you, may you ask Christ to take your suffering from you. May he share that suffering with you. Invite him into your moments of suffering tonight. Clutch that cross tightly tonight and tell the Lord how you're suffering and just offer it to him. Because friends, he wants to receive it. He wants to be with you in that moment. He wants to place his hand upon your shoulder as you are suffering and he wants to tell you, I have been there. I know what this is like. Your suffering is not in vain. I am with you. So may that be your prayer tonight, friends, as you hold on to the cross of Christ. May you hear the words of Christ spoken over you, that he is with you, and that you are not alone in your suffering. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.